Okay, welcome everybody. Here are our dear guests in the room, in Welby, in Copenhagen, in the Eiffel Smith headquarter, as well as on the web. Good morning, everybody. I welcome you to the Q2 announcement of our company, Eiffel Smith. And with me to present today is our CFO, Ben Guren, here on my left side. And uh, before starting to go into the details of the presentation, I would like to have you looking on the forward-looking statement and having a, a kind of a read into that. If I come to the next slide, it's page three of the presentation. I would like to highlight some key information. And as you see, the slide is uh, fairly lively, but it's a fairly lively Q2 announcement. I would like to start with the first package, and that is the group strategy. With my onboarding at the beginning of May, I initiated a group strategy health check. And that was intended to look into the strategy which was announced at the beginning, mid of 2012. And in that health check, we can announce that we can verify the strategy as it is, and we verify the long-term financial targets. They are reconfirmed. But during that strategic and strategy health check, we identified that we have some efficiency issues. Efficiency issues based on our, in relation to that where we were before with our efficiency standards. Out of that, we launch an efficiency improvement program. And that efficiency improvement program will bring us an EBITDA advantage of 750 million DKK. If we come to the Q2 isolated, the mining capex in Q2 deteriorated further. In cement, we see, no matter that it's still on a low level, pockets of recovery. But, and that's the very positive news, our customer service is performing very well, not only in growth. Our group revenue increased by 14% when our order intake decreased with 22%. The 22% decrease is in line with peer group and reflects the actual situation, especially on the CapEx side. Our group EBITDA margin finalized is 4.4%, which is significant lower, but, and that's the big but, our underlying business result is quite solid, it's quite good, it's 9.4%. But the 4.4 contains what we call special items, what we will reflect and going quite much into details during that presentation. One part of it, of the total result in Q2, as well as that what we see as a guidance for the year 2013, is an impairment of the Ludovice acquisition from last year in the amount of 800 million, a round of 800 million. That is what we expect when the impairment is finalized, as well as an inventory write-down of 200 million DKK. One bigger part already in the Q2 result is an additional one-off in materials handling of 323 million DKK. 
And that is to evaluate the risk of the order book, the legacy order book, as we call it, the old projects, what I already talked about last quarter. If we go to the next slide, number four, it's about the group strategy. Here you see a very short overview about our group strategy. We still, we still will be our customer's preferred full service provider of sustainable minerals and cement technologies. And we still focus as a full service provider on our six key industries, as well as full service solutions, life cycle approach, as well as full product flow sheet. The long-term financial targets with growth above the market average, as well as an EBITDA margin of 10 to 13 percent, and a return on capital employed more than 20 percent, is reconfirmed. On the next slide, number five, we show that we, of course, based on the actual and forward-looking change in business environment, that we have some adjustments in the strategy. We call them smooth adjustments. We focus more on organic growth and integration of the M&As, what we did in quite an amount in the last few years. Quality and safety will be part of the genetic code of the company. It's already, but we will focus more on it. Research and development is an essential part of our future. More investments to come, more products, and faster time. And last but not least, very important, people development all over the globe in our company is an essential part of the strategy in the future. As I said before, the group strategy health check clearly showed one other thing. Beside all the positives, what we can reconfirm, it is about the efficiency. It's not on the level as we would like to have it. And out of that, as we see on slide number six, we start a so-called efficiency improvement program. We worked over the whole summertime very dedicated on a very deep detail level to benchmark us against where we were coming from and how peers are acting in the market. And we clearly see a gap in it. The target of that program is an EBITDA improvement, full year effect 2015 of 750 million Danish kroner. The cost for that program is anticipated of 500 million Danish kroner. It includes tough decisions. And one part of the tough decisions is definitely that we have to let 1,100, approximately 1,100 colleagues go. And that we have more than 20 sites to close. What is that efficiency program about? I have to say it very clear. This is not a headcount cutting program. This is a true efficiency improvement program. It will lift up sustainable, the efficiency of the company. The other thing what I have to say as a frame, this program would happen no matter if the business would go up or down. 
This efficiency program will definitely happen, no matter how the business develops. The pillars of that efficiency program are seven points, and you see it here on that slide on the left side. It starts with cost optimization, materials handling business unit, a profit boost initiative, optimized sourcing as number four, ongoing capital efficiency improvement program as number five, sales optimization, sales boost, and very important, leading technology. In the middle part of the slide, you see this timeline for impact. That means these seven points with all the activities what we start from today on will have an impact over the next one and a half to two years on EBITDA line. To make it for you as much as possible transparent, we have on the right side of that slide a follow-up section. And these are the indicators where you can measure us on and what we will report each quarter to you, reliant to that efficiency program. And you see, for example, for cost optimization, it is the so-called sales distribution and administration cost level, what we already report. And it goes through down to investments in R&D. The only follow-up indicator, what we present not quarterly, only annually, is the so-called sourcing from cost-competitive countries. But all others, you can track us each quarter. If I go to the next slide, number eight, how is the current market? How is the outlook? And I have to say, no matter that the slide follows, the efficiency program slides, I remind it again, it's important. The efficiency program will go on with a full year effect in 2015, no matter how the business environment goes. But as we see it, mining capex will hit the bottom in 2014. We know and you know that especially based on China, the commodity prices are under pressure. We have 16 new CEOs on the customer side. And I have to say, they do similar things as I do. Not a surprise, I guess. And they look into their efficiency. They look into that, what they acquired. And of course, they have at first to turn each stone before they go up again with investments, which will be necessary. So we believe 2014 is hitting the bottom. At the same time, and this makes it so important to mention, the after-sales, our customer service business where we are in, is growing. The mines are operating. And without going too much in details, when you read about mine closure, please read why. A mine closure based on environmental issues has nothing to do with the business and the demand. Out of that, we look into cement. Cement, we see a slow pickup, still on the bottom, but we call it pockets of recovery around the world. And 
we have a significant demand for our competence to help customers, to support customers, to improve their efficiency on their operating salmon sites. Of course, as I said before, fewer large orders are available, but the amount of peers is still the same. So there is more pricing pressure on these big projects, which we think is compensated or overcompensated regarding the after sales, what we have. And very important to mention here, we don't have cancellations of orders in the backlog. And we don't see that coming. Next slide, number nine. And for that, I would like to have my CFO, Ben. Thank you very much. And uh, I will start with an overview of uh, the financial performance in uh, the second quarter of 2013, isolated. And uh, it is giving a mixed picture. At the one side, we see that there is a record high revenue and we have a solid underlying results for Q2. At the same time, we see that the order intake is declining. So it's quite challenging to read our results for second quarter 2013 as we have a number of special items. And I will help you to see more clearly how has this underlying performance been through my presentation. I will um, give a few comments here on the overview and then I will comment this more uh, slide by slide later in my presentation. But we see here on the top of the slide that uh, the order intake was down 22%, the revenue were up 14%, and seeing the line for the gross margin, it declined from 24.3 percentage point down to 18.3. Two main reasons. We'll come back to that. The one related to cement business, the other regarding material handling, which we already heard about, that we take an additional provision regarding the project business there. These effects on the gross margin also impact the gross profit, and this is like wristling through the P&L, all profit lines, down even to the cash flow from operations. And in the lower part here, we see the number of employees, 14,800. That is slightly below what was the number of employees by the end of the first quarter this year. And uh, the increase with 16% since last quarter, one year back, is explained first law that we got a lot of new colleagues through the acquisitions we made in 2012, and especially in the second half of 2012. At the same time, we see that we have businesses growing strongly, like our customer service business, and their operation and maintenance business has led to that we have started up new projects with a lot of blue-collar labor, which is a labor-intensive business. That has led to an increase in the number of employees during the year, so what is hiding here, which you don't see directly, is that we have had an underlying structural headcount reduction in the second quarter of 2013 of 454 persons. That is related to businesses where we see that there are efficiency improvement opportunities already. Looking at order intake, reduced 22%, we see it is uh, among what we see also among the peers in our industry. And uh, it is reflecting that we see a softer cap capex mineral market, especially. New projects, greenfield projects, 
and some spill over to the brownfield projects and to a minor extent also to the maintenance part of the business, the service part. Though our customer service business saw in second quarter an increase in order intake compared to last year of 21 percentage points, increase in order intake. And it's now counting for 42% of our total order intake for this quarter. There are a kind of um, customer hesitation in the market at present, but there are a few larger orders still which we are working on and looking at. And we see a potential higher order intake in the second half of 2013 compared to the first half of 2013. Uh, looking at uh, the bars here to the left on the slide, we see that in the first and second quarter of 2013, we had the lower order intake. And that is in a magnitude of 1 to 2 billion compared to per quarter compared to the earlier quarters. And uh, it is especially the larger announced orders which are lacking. We announced three large orders in the second quarter of 2013, two cement plants and uh, one material handling uh, installation for a steel plant. Uh, two of these projects were in India and one was in uh, Equatorial Guinea. Our revenues increased with 14%. That is after we have taken 33 percentage point down because of conversion of currency for consolidation purposes. So the underlying business had a development of 17% in the revenue. That is due to a strong order backlog and a strong order intakes during 2011 and 2012. So the underlying organic growth was 10 percentage points, and it is especially strong growth we see in customer service with 26%, and in cement, 37% up compared to the second quarter one year back. So we see that the material handling is pulling this down as we self-imposed are more reluctant on taking on new projects as long as we are focusing full-time on closing the old legacy projects, which have been causing problems to our business. The pattern of uh, revenue we see every year, it is increasing quarter by quarter, and we also see the first and second quarter the same pattern, and we expect this also for the rest of 2013. We talked about the gross margin development, and there are two main effects. If you're looking at the left side of the slide, we see that it has been declining, the gross profit, sorry, the gross margin, uh, since fourth quarter of 2012 until now. And on the right of the slide, you can see that there are two reasons. One was announced and informed about us, from us earlier, where we said that the cement business now are executing orders all taken during or after the global financial crisis. So it is expected lower gross margin from the cement business. At the same time, in the second quarter, we have charged the results with a provision in our material handling business due to the legacy projects of 323 million Danish kroner. This represents a five percentage points on the gross margin. So. Adjusted, it would be at the level of 23.5%, slightly below what it was the second quarter one year back. It's time to look a little bit more into material handling and the provision made. And let me start 
with um, the bottom bulleted point in the side here, underlining, there are no new problem projects in our division. There haven't been no new problem project the last nine months. So, in a way, it is legacy projects that are now we are dealing with. And as we now are getting closer to the finalization of these projects, closer to the end, it's much more transparent and easy for us to make the assessment of what will be the final outcome. Much easier now than, let's say, one year back. That is a reality. So, we have made a reassessment now of the total order backlog with a special focus on the legacy projects, and we made a prudent risk assessment led by our new CEO, Thomas Schulz. And uh, through this process, we have taken a provision of 323 million, which we are charged to the second quarter of 2013 results. Through this, we have minimized the risk for future negative surprises from material handling. Of course, this is uh, impacting our EBITDA, which has decreased with 50% compared to the second quarter 2012. Uh, there are a number of elements. The main effect here is, of course, the provision made in material handling, which caused a change of 5 percentage points. So the underlying EBITDA for second quarter still charged with the other one-offs that we announced by the beginning of the year. So they are still charged but adjusted for the uh, material handling provision here, we have an underlying EBITDA for the second quarter of 610 million, which is giving an EBITDA margin of 9.4. We think it's important to read that picture into the totality. But the reported EBITDA, 4.4 percentage points. Our development in networking capital declined in this quarter to second quarter with 123 million compared to the first quarter of 2013. That is a short period and does not necessarily say very much. But from the beginning of the year, we have an increase in networking capital from a level of 1.6 billion up to 2.2 billion. I remind you that we have a cyclicality in our business and we see every fourth quarter we have a lower level of networking capital, which we also expect will be repeated. At the same time, we are working on a program, which is a networking capital management program, and uh, we see effects and we have three main focuses, and that is the cash collection part in our business. It is the networking capital management of the inventories. And it is a stronger focus on payment terms in our contracts, which we are now entering into. The total level, the average level, which is called the, the trailing level of networking capital by the end of second quarter, is 7.3%. And we notice that is among the best of the peers. But still, we have a strong focus on this. And it's important because we are a business which is developing fast within services business, within minerals business and uh, within the product companies, which are all having an underlying higher nature of networking capital. So the importance of continuing our networking capital management program is important. Uh, these are 
the um, comments I would like to give now on the second quarter. And I think it's time for looking more at the divisions. So, Thomas, the microphone is yours. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Ben. So, I would like to go to slide number 16. And it's about the divisions and the development in the Q2. And we start with the customer service. And uh, I said it before, it's a solid performance, quite well performance on all parameters. You see that our order intake is up 21, our revenue is up 26%, and our EBITDA is up 29%. Then we have materials handling. That's the only real negative part. And there we have an order intake of minus 19. And I have to say it has to do with the fact that we work mainly on the legacy, legacy project what we have, the old ones, the difficult ones which created that one-off of minus 323. That's the main focus of that team. The revenue is down 26%, and of course the EBITDA is down 369 million Danish kroner. Then we have mineral processing. That is a business where we acquired a lot of companies in the last few years, where we have a unique position in the market, a very unique position in the market, but it got definitely hit based on the capex downturn in the minerals business. And that is what we lack here. There are not so many large orders available. But nevertheless, the result is quite impressive. With an order intake of minus 40%, a revenue of plus 20, we generated an EBITDA of plus 34%. Then cement. And cement... We have, of course, earnings significant below last year. And it has to do with, as Ben already reflected on it, when we took the orders in cement. And we have a change in the order take in the past in cement from before crisis on a higher profitability level versus taking orders in the crisis and a little bit after on a significant lower profitability level. And that is what you see with an EBITDA decrease of 37%. And as we said, as the business is at the moment, it reflects in the order intake of minus 30%, but a revenue of plus 37. On the next slide, I would like to uh, give a short comment on Semprit. We stopped the sales process based on the fact that we were not able to get a satisfactory price offer for the value what this company has. So we stopped that sales process. We will make out of it a standalone business. And of course, we will report it as so-called continuing activities from quarter three on in our figures. The effect will be a revenue of plus 1.4 billion Danish kroner and an EBITDA margin of zero. If I go to slide number 18, I come to the Ludovici, at first to the Ludovici impairment, the expected loss of 800 million. Where is that coming from? The Ludovici business acquired last year was, of course, acquired in a time where especially coal was on a quite high level and a very good market outlook. That completely changed a few weeks and months after the acquisition. 
And the picture for coal industry, mid to long term, significantly decreased. On top of it, the main market of Ludovici products, and that is still so, no matter that we are quite successful with the integration, is Australia. And the Australian market is not in that good shape for the midterm outlook as it was before. Both together called for an impairment test start and calculation uh, test start. So that is in pre-information of an expected impairment of 800 million. Another part is the inventory write-down of 200 million. We made a very thorough-through inventory review, and I have to say it has mainly to do with the integration of the M&As what we did. You have, of course, when you acquire a lot of companies, some product overlap. If you have product overlap, you look into your inventory and you have to clean that. That is what we did. And that is what we show here as an expected result. And on top of it, we will definitely have a more stringent assessment of aging inventory items. Not only as a one-time hit here. That is, of course, necessary. If I go to slide number 19, that's a very lively slide. It's all special items impacting the Q2 as well as the full year estimate. And I more or less read it through here. Materials handling, one of costs in Q2 are minus 323 million Danish kroner on EBITDA level. We have expected costs related to our efficiency improvement program, which will give us 750 million full year effect in 2015, but which will hit our bottom line in 2013 with 350 million on EBITDA. Then the, the already informed expected inventory write-down, which we expect for Q3, and that is minus 200 million. On top of it, we have the expected Ludovici impairment, which is then on EBIT level with minus 800 million. And last but not least, the stop of sale of Semprit, which impacts our revenue line for the guidance, and that will be in Q3 with 1.4 billion Danish kroner and an EBITDA effect as well as EBIT effect of nil. So the full year effect of special items for 2013 is on revenue 1.4 billion Danish kroner, on EBITDA minus 873 million Danish kroner, and on EBIT level minus 1.673 billion Danish kroner. That package we call special items. If I go to the next slide, this is slide number 20. Out of that, we change the group guidance. If I start with the revenue change, before we had 27 to 30 billion, now it's 26 to 28 billion. Included in that is a more cautious approach in minerals processing. Then the EBITDA margin, previous guidance, 8 to, 9, uh, 8 to 10%, now, now to 4 to 5% EBITDA. And so-called cash flow from investments, 
now to around minus 0.8 before it was minus 1 billion Danish krona. And on the last line, the return on capital employed before 15%, now with all the special items calculated into it, down to 7 to 8%. I go now to slide number 21. The divisional guidance is changing. And there you see, we listed very transparent the guidance from before as well as the new guidance per division. I go to customer service. We had a previous guidance on revenue of 8 to 10 billion and now 8 to 9 billion. In EBITDA, it was 13 to 15 percent. It's now 13 to 14 percent. If you look into that, it's well in line with that what we announced in Q1 that we are at the lower end of the previous guidance. Materials handling, before 4 to 6, now 4 to 5 billion in revenue. Before more than 9%, more than 0% in EBITDA, of course now with that more prudent approach initiated by several issues, down to minus 8 to minus 9%. Minerals processing from 10 to 12, now down to 9 to 11. And in EBITDA margin, 8 to 10 before, 8 to 9 now. Cement, similar picture, before 5 to 7, now 5 to 6. And EBITDA margin, 6 to 8, now 6 to 7%. You can see in the figures beside materials handling on the EBITDA part that we see, as we said already in Q1, that we will, would hit the lower end of the guidance, especially if it comes to the revenue. And that's supported by, as we said, especially the CapEx impact out of the minerals. I would like to summarize before we go to the Q&A on the slide number 22. Initiated by me, by the new group CEO, we made a group strategy health check. That strategy is verified. Smooth changes, yes. Smooth adjustments. Quality and safety is definitely important. R&D is definitely important. But the long-term financial targets are staying as they are. We launched from today on an efficiency program with an impact on EBITDA level of plus 750 million DKK. And I remind, I repeat in that case, this program will happen and will be executed no matter how the business goes. Then on the outlook, deteriorating outlook on CapEx in minerals, pockets of recovery in cement. Customer service performs well, and we see that ongoing, especially with our very strong business model and clear strategy, which makes us unique. We have a group revenue, which is all-time high for Q2, with plus 14%, and an order intake decrease of minus 22, which is not good, no matter that it's in line with peers. And then we have a group EBITDA margin of 44 including the special items, but the underlying business result is, of course, 9.4%, which we think is quite a solid performance. And as very detailed explained, 
We have an impairment upcoming expected of minus 800 million on the Ludovici acquisition and an inventory write down of minus 200 million. And as we said, with my more prudent approach and with 20 years of experience in that business, as well as a clear focus on minimizing the risk of these legacy old projects, we have a one-off of minus 323 million in Q2 already for materials handling. And out of that, I would like to start the Q&A session. And I would ask that we start here in the room. Please. Yes, hello, uh, Christian Johansson from uh, Danske Bank. Uh, just a, a question first on your guidance. Now you highlighted all the special items you have adjusted for, but how much of these uh, 750 million in positive effect do you expect in 2013? And is that included in your guidance? It's included in the guidance. It's already in. So the 350, is that a net amount? The 350 is a cost, roughly 350, is the cost related with the efficiency program. We don't have a single figure for the efficiency program impact on EBITDA for end of this year, but it's included in the guidance. But you cannot quantify how much the positive effect will be? The positive effect is, as I said, included in the guidance here. We will come in the quarter three and we'll show you what the impact was then in quarter three out of the efficiency program. It is for me more important to bring the focus on the execution and not only on the planning part. I have to say that it's important that we make the things, what we say, happen. That is what we will report in Q3. Okay. How about uh, next year, 2014? How much of the 750 million uh, should we expect? It's similar. We will report it in the different Q, um, quarterly results, but you can expect that you are at the end of 2014 coming closer and closer to a 750 million DKK EBITDA improvement level. That's the nature. The run rate, of course, goes up. Okay, fair enough. Then uh, a bit, bit along the same line, can you cut your cost by 750 million without negatively affecting your revenue? It is an EBITDA improvement. It's not only a cutting. It's, as I showed on that slide, seven initiatives. A pure, that's my strong belief, a pure headcount cutting and cost cutting will not long-term bring the company on a more efficient level. These costs normally come back if you grow in business. And that is not what we want. What we want is to bring the company in total on a more efficient level, sustainable. This is important. That's the reason why I always come back to that sentence. Please remember, it would happen no matter which kind of business we have in front of us. Okay. Then just last question. Do you see risk of a further price pressure going forward than, than the, the level you're seeing now? If the market would go further down, let us say if we would have a situation that uh, the bottom would be in minerals hit, not in 2014, what we believe and what we see, if it would be in 2016, you can imagine we would really go significant more down. That would create more price pressure. But actually, based on the lack 
of big orders, already the standard, let us say, the standard price pressure is there. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yes, hello, uh, Patrick Sedwer from Nordea Markets. Hi, Patrick. Um, I have to follow up the last question regarding the price pressure. Yes. Um, could you say, is it only in within the large projects you see in the price pressure, or have you seen any spreading into smaller orders or the service area? Yeah. Um, in general, price pressure is always there. If you don't have price pressure, then you sell too cheap. I have to say that. And price pressure is always if you have peers, and we have peers. That's no question mark. On top of it, the, the change in it, and I only talk about big orders, is that most of the peers, as well as we are, are prepared to take more bigger orders. But there are only fewer orders available. So the fight for getting the order, if I may say so, um, is tougher. And it's important And I look here especially into our very professional cement team. They are in that situation quite a while, I must say. It is important that you keep your value setting. If we drop prices and making ridiculous contracts, then I stand here in two years and inform about a one-off package for another division in a similar way as we did here with materials handling. We can't do that. Okay. My, my next question is also you have been touching upon is regarding this uh, Uh, your, your certainty about the mining orders passing out in 2014. Uh, I just wanted to get a feeling how certain are you about that statement uh, and what is the risk yeah. that is not passing out in 2014. As you know, I'm a mining engineer. And uh, no matter that we experienced quite a fantastic time in the last few years in growth, something what was not foreseeable, minimum not for mining engineers, Um, I'm still in, in cyclic business mode, always. Since I'm in that business more than 20 years, it's a cyclic business. So for me, it's not a surprise that we are now in the downwards part of a cycle. How deep is that cycle going? Then you start to analyze in, into the different areas. And you, we know how long equipment can run efficiently so that the OPEX are not going over a new CapEx investment. And that is what we can calculate and look into it. And out of that, we think that it's the bottom is 2014. What is the risk in it? There's, of course, a risk in it. If something happens politically in the world economy and so on, which would set the commodity prices significant more under pressure, then it could have an impact. But, and that's again the but in it, why, I'm, why we are relatively positive, all the mines are operating. And we were already on that level to control which mines are not operating today. And if it's environmental issues, safety issues, and so on, that has nothing to do with business demand. So the mines are operating. We see that in the customer service business. So 2014 is at the moment our statement. But, of course, there is a risk as in all forecasts and outlooking comments. Okay, and then a question related to that. How should we link that to your order intake in 2014? Uh, I suppose you're still expecting to grow orders within uh, within customer service and, and cement in 2014. Yes. Okay, so so that is uh, so so probably <laughs> negative for the two other one divisions. Is that a fair assumption? No, it is a definitely a fragmented picture. That's clear. Um, that. Related to this year, 
what we see at the moment is a flattish market. I think we wrote flattish 2 to 3%. And um, when we hit the bottom early in 2014 in uh, the, the mining part, then of course we expect more orders coming at the end. But if the bottom hit happens in the fourth quarter, that would be not that good for the order intake, of course. Okay, thank you. Uh, gentlemen, Fastlamet from Hennels Bank and Capital Markets. Uh, a few questions from my side and uh, mainly on the cost program. Um, on page, uh, on slide seven, you're detailing the efficiency program uh, <clears throat> and, and the key elements in it. Um, can you try and help us understand and detail um, the efficiency improvements are, are, are on the seven key parameters, and specifically on uh, parameter two, you're talking about gross margin improvements in material handling. Is that over and above uh, the negative impact which you've seen from, from uh, the legacy projects? Yeah. Yes. We have close to 200 projects in the order book of materials handling division. And 15 we call legacy projects, problematic ones. And of course, the focus is very much on these orders. But at the same time, as I said, we have to get the efficiency of the whole company up. Of course, the whole division is forced to make efficiency improvement too, not only on these 15 projects. And that's the part of it. And that we take the gross margin and materials handling as a follow-up indicator for you, for the analysts, for the investors, for people from outside. That's what we already report and where we believe you can easily see how successful we are with our efficiency improvement program. Okay, so if you were to talk about a target cross margin, margin level in materials handling, can it be improved to the same level as uh, minerals processing? The, um, in general, we have uh, in materials handling the, a higher percentage of systems order big orders, engineering orders. In minerals processing, you have a relatively to materials handling a higher part of single product sales. In general, then you have out of that a higher profitability in minerals processing than in materials handling. But of course, in materials handling, a lower networking capital than in minerals processing where you sell more products. So to to say that we have the same financial targets is not happening, will not happen. Okay. And then just two more uh, uh, questions. I mean, <clears throat> um, activity is coming clearly down in, in the mining business. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about sustainable uh, improvements in EBITDA from uh, cost reductions and other initiatives, but, but the activity-related part, I mean, um, should we expect – Headcount reductions over and above the 1,100 uh, you're detailing because of purely lower activity in the mining mm. business. And the second question, it's really just a clarification question, and that's on on, uh, on your guidance adjustments. Um, are they only market-related, or are you also seeing some kind of postpone, postponements in, in the backlog? Mm -hmm. Okay, three questions. Lower activity in mining, yes. In Q2, the, the CapEx investments deteriorated further. That's a clear thing. But at the same time, as I said before, it is um, that our customer service, that the aftermarket, as we call it too, uh, is increasing. So we have a 
how to say, a double picture, which for us is normal because the mines are operating still 24-7. Um, if it comes to um, the layoffs of 1,100 uh, 1, colleagues, uh, that is purely efficiency-driven program. The um, sizing of the organization based on um, a business demand, that is not included in these 1,100 people. So if business grows up, you will see more people onboarding. If business goes down, the likelihood that we have to let colleagues go increase. Then only one final word to the headcount before I come to the guidance question. Um, we, you didn't see on the uh, slide number seven um, that we put amount of employees as a follow-up indicator. Why is that not the case? Fairly simple. We are very strong in O&M contracts. We are unique. We service, we operate plants for customers. This is very unique. But for that, you need people, hundreds of people. When we get an O&M contract, what we got, we recruit immediately hundreds of people. So you can't track us on how many people are on board or not on board. That's not possible. You have to go over the cost side, which I think is the more important part. Regarding the uh, the guidance for mineral processing, I think you... I think just the mining business. Okay. I mean, has has the revenue adjustments been made only due to lower order intake, or are, are you also seeing postponements in the backlog? What we see is definitely more postponements uh, and more time on the customer side to look into it. We have here, again, two, two points of view to see. One is we have 16 new CEOs on board. And they look into efficiency. You see the big impairments in, on the mining side in the last few months, of, uh, for example. And at the same time, um, the delivery times based on lower or lower amount of big orders significantly decreased. So customers are not that much under pressure to order now or yesterday to get the equipment at the right time. They have a little bit more time. So that, of course, both together definitely uh, leads to, a, I don't want to say a more relaxed purchasing behavior, but it goes in that direction. Please Maybe I'll add one more thing, thing to this. And the mineral processing part of our business is the most exposed to U.S. dollar versus euros or Danish kroner. So we have a quite large also effect when it comes to the currency exchange, which is part of uh, the change in the guidance there. But it's uh, exactly the main part is the change in the business and the, the, they say the finalization of some projects. It can drag out, so taking more wider range there to, to, to take height for it. But at the same time, we have these uh, currency effects issues. Okay, thank you. Shall we take questions from the web? Is that possible? Thank you. If you have a question, please press star, then one on your touchstone phone. Alex White from J.P. Morgan is on the line with a question. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, the, the, the first question I had was uh, perhaps just a, a clarification, and apologies if you feel you've already answered this one, but presumably the, the problem projects in material handling are completed before 2015, so the, the $750 million improvement target in 2015 is, is exclude, excluding those those projects. Um, that's, that's the first question. Second question was, you, you've talked a little bit already about the pricing pressure that you're seeing. Could you elaborate a bit more on which specific product areas you're, you're seeing the pressure? 
Um, and then thirdly, um, could you just remind us what proportion of your cost base is, uh, is in India currently? Okay. Um, the first comment what you made is correct. That is what I can say. It was about materials handling and uh, the efficiency program. The second uh, question was regarding which areas under pressure. Um, let me say like this. Um, definitely cement is um, still on a low level uh, regarding order intake, and that's for the whole industry. Um, if we look into the minerals and the two minerals part, Minerals processing has, of course, with the postponement and fewer large orders, some pressure. Materials handling, we, can, we could say so, but the main part in materials handling regarding the order intake is related with these legacy projects. The focus is clear to finalize them. That's the main focus of the division, to come out that we can show to prove the true performance of the materials handling part of our business. That's the target. So strong focus on that. Um, the, the cost base in India, yeah, we saw the effect on our share price when uh, India got a, how to say, a kind of a, yeah, let us say, currency hit based on several issues in India. We have a big part of our business in India and we increase the offshoring to India. It's part of the efficiency program. We are very successful with the Indian setup, what we have today. And we were a little bit surprised about the hit on our share price because, um, yes, we have business in India too, but we have quite a big cost base in India, which is, of course, then positively affected for us. So we have a mixed picture and uh, we are definitely not suffering based on the business environment in India because we get a big hit on, on, uh, on our business. Vice versa, we have a big positive impact on our cost base in India. If it comes now to the percentage of uh, the business in India, I really have to ask Ben if you can Thank help you. me here. Uh, of course, that is a pleasure. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, we don't uh, give uh, specific um, cost bases for separate countries. We don't, because um, especially when it comes to India, I think the key in the question you're asking about here is when we see a decline in the, sh the currency, the Indian currency, would that improve or reduce our, let's say, bottom line for the group? And uh, as we are having a larger cost base in India, then we have local business because we are serving the whole global business with the cost base from the associated services. Exactly. So exactly, we are having a positive cost effect from reduced currency and the Indian currency. And that is quite um, uh, quite strong as we have 4,500 people doing shared services for our group. Uh, the exact percentage of the cost base in India uh, based on 4,500 compared to our 15,000, that is not an exact number because there are much cheaper labor in India. So uh, the percentage I don't have. And if I had it, we wouldn't declare that specifically for one country. Uh, look, uh, that's, that's really helpful. Thanks, Ben. Uh, perhaps just a follow-up um, on the uh, on, on the pressure. You mentioned uh, cement, min minerals, and material handling. Is, is there anything you can say on this on the customer services side of the business? In general, for customer service, yes. Um, we definitely enjoyed a significant growth in order intake, and we definitely enjoyed a significant growth in revenue. And I enjoyed definitely more the growth in EBITDA. 
And um, not only from a financial point of view, I have to say that. It is so much a proof of our strong business model. If we get orders, what we get, to operate, to maintain, to service sites where not only our equipment is on it, this is the highest level of service competence what you can reach in our industry. And that, as I said, proves definitely the absolutely right strategy and a very, very strong business model. But then the pricing environment there within within the different product areas or areas of your service offering, have you, have you seen any pressure there at all or, or is that relatively stable? It's relatively stable, but as I said, I always look that we get comments we are from our sales colleagues that we are under price pressure. That's important. Okay, thanks. Look, thanks, thanks very much for your answers. Thank you for the questions. Place Bergelin from Nomura is on the line with a question. Uh, yes, good morning, gentlemen. It's uh, Klaus Bergelin from Nomura. Uh, I have three questions, please. Um, firstly, on the cost savings. Um, Thomas, maybe I missed this, but you said that you believe that 750 is achievable independent of, of, of market outlook. So I just want to confirm if, if 750 really is a net number, even if volumes come back. That, that sounds pretty positive. Um, the the uh, the second question is on, on customer services. Um, your commentary here sounds pretty upbeat. Uh, when we at the same time are seeing more and more evidence of sort of increased insourcing of mining services that the miners are choosing to do service work themselves, could you help me understand this? Because I'm a little bit concerned that you can see weakness in the business where you're ramping a lot of employees. Mm. Yes. The, uh, the 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 third and final question is material handling. Um, just to come back on this, I, I think you said mid to high single-digit margin when the problem projects are fading off, and it seems like we can sort of reach a new peak here with part of the cost saves. So should we expect a margin here like double digit? Thanks. Double digit. Okay. Um, at first, the 750. Um, as you, you are right, the 750 are not savings. They are EBITDA improvements based on that seven building block program what we have. And I'm very firm on saying that we will do it and achieve it no matter how the business goes because the efficiency improvement is built up like that. How to do that? On one side, of course, and that's the reason why we call it the first block, the cost optimization. You have to let colleagues go if you have too many people on board for the business what you run. And I'm talking here mainly about the overall structure, the framework in FLS. We have to harmonize more. We have to standardize more. We have to get more simple. And that definitely points on reducing the amount of sites. 20 sounds may be a lot, but if you would know, as I know, that we are close to 200 locations worldwide, then it's only around 10%. And that is what we have to do. Then other things, of course, sourcing cost, then the right product mix. We have a lot of very good, strong products. Are we really selling them all over the world? A forced integration after all the acquisitions, what you have to do is definitely helping us to achieve that. That's part of the program too. Then last bullet point, my favorite in that, 
We are today on 1.4% of sales into R&D. I would like, and I will have more, more than 2% of sales. And we will bring products quicker to the market. From an idea to the market will be quicker. And I have to say, with all customers I talked, they really, really asked us and demanded us to do more. We are world leading in cement. More products, DIFLS, bring us more products. And we will do that. That will definitely increase our competitive position. Why I'm positive on our customer service? Um, if you look into our business model for the customer service, I call it, we offer the high-end technical customer service. In our O&M contracts and so on, we don't offer the standard service by, for example, changing rollers, welding here a little bit, or cleaning there a little bit. It's top-notch technology service. And to outsource or to insource that, you need top-notch people and top-notch education and technical understanding. And this is our stronghold. And that's the reason why we believe that our business model and customer service is not that vulnerable than if we would be in more standard service. The third question is double digit for materials handling on EBIT or EBITDA level. I really would like to have that. I really can't promise you that. <laughs> why not? Big project business, big systems business has its own rules. And the rule means you are not on that very high EBITDA margin, but you are on a low networking capital. You are very capital efficient, and that creates you a lot of return. It is for us a very important division. It's a growth division. If you would know, as I know as a mineral engineer, as a mining engineer, the great, the ore and the, the yeah, the metal grade rate is decreasing significantly. What does it mean? You have to dig by far more material out to get the same amount of metal out of the ore. And that is materials handling. So that business will grow and grow and grow. That is our strong belief. And when it comes back and growing a lot, we are prepared. We don't have these legacy projects from the past any longer. And that team can focus on that where they are already good in it, making fantastic projects and support and offers to the customer. Okay, can I uh, just a uh, uh, quick follow-up? I mean, um, I, I think you said that in customer services, if you, if you sort of... Um, if you look at you know the people you're hiring right now, it seems to be more blue collar than 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 white collar, and your your commentary Thomas seems to be you you are sort of top notch high end. But so could you could you sort of give me a split of, of people on 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 minor sites being sort of blue collar versus high end white collar people? Yeah, I can't because it's different uh, from customer to customer, from site to site, and I hope that we understand us all that you can have top technology people in blue color too. I was, by the way, I had a lot of contacts with them. What I mean is O&M contracts already bring us, of course, with each order what we get in O&M, a lot of people into the company to make the labor happen because we sell here technical labor to our customers to operate the sites. That's the reason why you see quite a lot of blue color worker, as you say, coming into the company.
Okay, and then and then just quick quickly as a follow up on on uh, material handling. I mean, if we if we normalize for the gross margin, you can see sort of mid single digit. You take in, um, you know, uh, not the whole 750 obviously into that division, but uh, it should be a, quite a big part of it. You, you, I mean, you could see sort of quite high margin here, but are you are you sort of you being prudent in the sense that? This is a project based, and you know you never know that that you could have cost overruns going forward. Yeah, the nature of that business is that you carry a kind of a risk. That's definitely part of the part of the business. And your business model, as we have it, minimum as we have it since a few quarter, has to cover that. That's that must be part of it. And what I call the prudent approach is, of course, the capability to look into and to judge the risk what you have in the books. And if you look into the 15 old ones, of course, today it's easier because we are more at the end of the finalization than it's easier to recognize the risk. But we have already implemented, mid of last year, a very good risk analyze model and method for that materials handling division. How can I prove that? Out of these one-offs of the 323 million and everything what was announced in the last few quarters, they are all related with these legacy projects and not with one single new one. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Last top home from Carnegie is on the line with a question. Yes, congrats with a, with a good quarter. Uh, I, I have a couple of questions. Thomas, the 1,100 employees uh, which are part of this efficiency program, uh, where are they located? Is that primarily in the West, or does it include uh, India? It is um, 1,100 colleagues all over the world. Each country where we are in is affected, and it's over all managers and people level in the company. So, so if I, it, it, it's roughly 7% of your headcount, so is it fair to assume the, the direct cost saving will then also be 7% of your payroll cost? Oh. Uh, that's, million uh, I have, yes, it's quite fair. Yeah, it's yes. quite, goes in the right direction. Okay, okay. And then if we look at materials handling and if I look at the implied uh, I mean, if, if I take mid-range of the full-year guidance, that means you should roughly uh, make yeah, zero to a slight plus in the second half of the year. Is that also a, a, a fair assumption? That's a very fair assumption, yes. Uh, that sounds good. And then you mentioned that this efficiency program would happen regardless of the market downturn. And now, Given your order intake, we, we can assume your activity level might go down uh, in, in 14, 15 compared to 13. Does that mean that on top of this program, uh, there should be room for some cost reductions, let's say, over the next 12, 24 months? Yes, that's absolutely right. And I can uh, relate to uh, the years 2008, 2009 with the financial crisis where my company performed very well through by taking the absolute right actions in getting the cost down based on business demand. But this efficiency program is not based on business demand. So, so, so here, here by Thomas, I was saying that what you call there could be another program on top of this 
which has to do with the business slowdown. I mean, I'm not asking you to commit to announcing it, but, but that's how I should, I should think of your cost development over the next 24 yes. months. Yes. The, um, I would not have a problem to announce it if we would have it. I see it like this, that um, the demand, the sizing of the organization based on demand is, of course, prim primarily a business decision and relates into the divisions. And they do that already. You can't see it, I said it a little bit before, but we already laid more than 450 people off in the second quarter. You don't see it at all in the figures because we got O&M contracts and recruited more than 450 people back into. But we laid off more than 450 people already in the quarter two, and that is based on the sizing, based on the demand. Excellent. And then a final question. I tried to do my own guessing on, on the cost benefit you get from the lower Indian rupee. Uh, so, so if I take the, the rupee uh, drop over the past couple of months, is it fair to say this would take out roughly 1% of, of, of your costs? Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Have, have roughly a 1% margin impact, everything else equal. For the whole group, you mean? Yes. Well, we haven't made that calculation yet, but uh, it's correct that it will have a positive effect. But uh, to isolate it, it could be quite difficult. Uh, so, uh, because it can also impact uh, the way we are pricing uh, to the group um, for taking it out in improved competitiveness, for instance. So, I mean, it's, it's too simple to say that everything else equal it will be, because I probably we will rather look at this as one of the competitive advantages for us, that we have a decreased cost level as a starting point, and that can, we can take out in different ways, maybe in increased growth, for instance, organic growth. But, 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 but it is fair to assume that, that even given the, uh, the revenue you get from India, uh, th this situation should be net positive because of your cost and, and sourcing base in India. Absolutely, that's correct, understood. Yes. That is fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lars. Daniel Patterson from SEB is on the line with a question. Yes, uh, hello, everyone. Um, a couple of questions from my side. Just uh, one more on the uh, cost-saving program, the $750 million targeted. I think Lars's questions here were, were pretty good on this. And just to follow up, Basically, what you're saying is whatever it is you thought F.L. Smith would generate in earnings in 15, that X, basically you're saying, well, now it's X plus 750 if I uh, get it correctly. So my, my question is, in this way, you're making it sound easy. I'm sure it's not easy to let 1,100 people go, but um, how come it is relatively easy to, to make these efficiency improvements and you feel so confident that they will happen? Uh, that's an interesting question, I must say, because it's absolutely not easy. It's absolutely not easy. I have to say that. And it's not only related with letting 1,100 colleagues go. Um, the starting point of such an efficiency program is related with the belief, the strong belief, a pure firing of people, I bring it that dramatic and brutal, will not bring an efficiency improvement into a company. And I don't, and I personally think it's not only related with our company, F.L. Smith. We have to look in how we make business happen. We have to look how we are structured. We have to look how 
the M&As, what we did, the mergers and acquisitions, how much they are integrated. We have to look, are we offshoring enough to India where we have running a very fantastic, good business model? And all these things together adds up to the belief that we will deliver a 750 EBITDA improvement in 2015 as a full-year effect. And as an engineer, um, we are calculating that very, how to say, very, very, very detailed and with all the scenarios. And that makes me so sure that our organization, our professional organization, delivers that result. Okay, and could you um, tell us anything uh, about, uh, you know, how you will get the organization to sort of play ball, any particular incentives on, on how this seven-point plan will be sort of permeated through your organization? What we do here is in a kind of standard manager's work. If I look into sales boost to get more products sold in areas where we were not active before is to make an investment with a sales office in that geographical area and starting the sale. So it's a standard work what we are doing. It is, as you see, not a program only running over the next six months or 12 months. It's a program running up to 2015, which gives enough time to get these efficiency improvements and better, if I take back the sales boost, to be established more in all markets. We are not everywhere around the world where we should be. Only that as an example. So special incentives is not necessary into the organization to make that plan happen. Okay. Um, I have a couple of other questions. One is on uh, materials handling. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're seeing these uh, pretty uh, significant uh, provisions here in the second quarter. And it's just sort of a, I guess it's a helicopter view sort of question. You mentioned it was about 15 uh, legacy projects out of total 200 projects. I'm just thinking that it's a little bit worrying that 15 projects basically uh, can, out of 200, can bring the entire division to its knees. Um, any thoughts on, on sort of fo- going forward? How are you sure that you can manage risk correctly so this does not happen again? I fully agree. I fully agree. It's uh, quite a quite a message that 15 projects are bringing a whole division down to its knees. I fully agree. And that was the reason why I promised already in Q1 announcement that I will turn each stone in that division with each project, what it is and where it comes from. And then looking into the risk assessment and re-evaluating with a very strong, prudent approach. You can call it conservative approach. And it's, of course, easier, I have to say, for someone coming from outside. And it's easier in from a timing point of view, because quite a lot of these projects are going to the end of the commissioning time. Then it's, of course, easier to evaluate the risk. But I agree that 15 projects can have such an impact. It's definitely a learning for the division. But that's not based on me since 1st of May. That learning was already taken in the middle of last year. Okay, so uh, basically we, uh, when we look at all these provisions, the inventory write-downs and this whole sort of uh, cleanup, it's fair to assume that we should not see any more of these types of 
one-off costs in, in the near future. This I, is it. That I split it here. At first, materials handling. Of course, the target is to show to prove the true result of materials handling in a quarter. You didn't see it in the last few quarters because it was inflated by these again and again coming one-offs from these old 15 projects. The second thing is regarding the inventory. We said, based on looking into the integration and the mergers and acquisitions, what we did, and a more prudent and prudent approach to aging of inventory. We make that inventory one-off, but we are definitely more prudent and more conservative regarding the aging of inventory looking forward. To get from me a guarantee that these things will not happen is very difficult to give, but it's not on my list to do that again. Okay, that's very clear. One final housekeeping question. The uh, 323 million provision, you mentioned that that will have cash effect. Did that have the cash effect already in Q2, or is that a cash effect in the future? Mm -hmm. I will uh, answer on that one. Uh, we are running with these projects at all time, and there is, of course, a burn rate when it comes to... We have made provisions earlier as well. So there is a cash effect in the material handling projects. The provision we made now will have cash effect going forward, and uh, some will hit in uh, the second half of 2013, and some over in 2014 as we are finalizing these projects. The split here um, could be... Um, that um, we haven't directly gone out and said anything about it. Now I'm looking at my IR representative and we're saying that uh, you can make a fair split between 13 and 14 probably. Okay, that's what I thought. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thank you. Klaus Kiel from Nukredit Markets is on the line with a question. Yeah, hello, uh, Klaus Kiel from Nukredit with a couple of questions. Um, first of all, just to be absolutely sure, um, do we agree that after you have included the, or do we agree that you will include SEMPRIT in the numbers or, and also in your guidance with a 12-month effect here in 2013, meaning that if you hadn't done that, then your top-line guidance would have been roughly 1.5 billion lower? That is, that is correct. Okay. Great. Then my second question is uh, related to, uh, to the currency uh, impact. Um, what kind of revenue or negative revenue impact are you seeing from currencies here in 2013? And all else equal, what will the impact be in, uh, in 2014? Because yeah, the, um, all the major emerging markets currencies, they have depreciated very heavily here in, in the second half of, uh, of, of 13. Uh, the first, light on that? Yeah, so the first part of it, um, as I informed that uh, we have for the, for the first half of 2013, we have a 3% uh, reduction in our top line for the second quarter. Uh, so we had an, a growth of 14%, it would have been 17%. So we have had a, a quite uh, big change in the, the currency in the first half of this year. Uh, uh, we will... Um, of course, it's difficult to, to speculate on how will it be going forward with the currencies. They should be very careful with that. Uh, we hear a lot of uh, like uh, macro analysts believing that the, the U.S. dollar will strengthen again towards a lot of currencies. Uh, what we know is that our business is very much euro and U.S. dollar business. So it's not very much like local currency businesses, even in uh, emerging markets currencies. 
So from that, we could rather say that um, if we are lucky, we can see a positive benefit from a strengthened US dollars going, dollar going forward. I think that is the closest I can make of any assumption uh, on this. Okay, but but have you used the current um, currency rates, or have you used the currency rates from uh, int Q, uh, Q2? Uh, for which report? For for this Q2 uh, report, and also for your guidance for the full year, have you used the current uh, currency rates or? Correct. So for the actual numbers, we used the yeah. actual currency rates. For our guidance, we are using uh, currency rates which we take out at the time we produce the updated guidance, which is uh, what we take out um, uh, almost in the middle of uh, the second quarter. That was the currency rates we used when we have been guiding for the rest of 2013. Okay, I, I didn't get that. So which rates did you use? We used uh, the currency rates at the middle of the second quarter when we are guiding for the second half of 2013. But then if the rate stays at the current level as we see today, then it will have an impact, negative impact, further negative impact. That's correct. So in our guidance, as we said, for instance, uh, with the mineral processing, we have taken in a negative uh, currency um, as a part of the, the guidance here. But... Um, if we see a positive development in U.S. dollars going forward, it could be an upturn compared to the guidance. But there is an uncertainty which we have taken into consideration when we made the guidance. <clears throat> okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Johannes Conselius from ABG Sundale Collier is on the line with a question. Yes, hello, Johannes from Stockholm here. A few questions from my side. Uh, firstly, on customer division, I think you showed 6% organic growth in orders. Mm -hmm. Can you help me to understand what is that uh, growth coming from? Is, the, is it on the cement side or any of the other divisions or, or a combination, please? It's a combination out of both. Are both showing similar numbers, would you say? Yes. Okay, that's helpful. And, um, I mean... I've uh, seen what, what you said here in the report, listened to, to you now, Thomas, uh, giving color on, on uh, the outlook statements. But just so I can be sure what you mean here, should we expect the order intake in Q3, Q4 here for the whole company to be somewhat lower than what we saw in Q2 here because we haven't seen the, the full bottom yet that will come in 14? Is that what you're saying? No. Um, okay. Ben was reflecting on that in his presentation. We see more orders coming in the second half of the year, and that's more or less cyclical too. We have that more or less each year. Um, but the total amount of bigger orders for this year, of course, is lower. Sure. Uh, then it seems uh, more, more on the housekeeping side. Uh, it seems that you're, you're paid quite high tax in, in the second quarter, and um, so I'm wondering what sort of tax assumptions should we use going forward, and also if you can help us to understand what kind of interest rate cost you currently have. Yes, first on uh, the tax side, um, we are guiding on uh, the underlying tax for our business going forward is 36%, and we stick to that. That means for our group, we're on a relatively high level, it's 36%, and that is driven by that we have a lot of our businesses in countries like India and U.S., and also in Australia, all with very high tax rates. So that means that we have a foot, footprint which makes us a little bit high on the tax rate. So that is for going forward. 
For this quarter, isolated, we have some effects uh, regarding integration of uh, Ludovici. Um, and uh, that is in um, countries like Chile and um, Brazil and some other uh, geographies. So, um, in addition, as we um, uh, have been reporting this, and we have normally a lot of tax payments in uh, the second quarter every year. So, you see it's a quite high tax payments in the second quarter. Uh, so, that's probably what you have seen. Okay, that's helpful. And uh, the other part of your question was regarding the interest rates. Um, on the loan. Yes. Um, it is correct that uh, we are pulling on our net interest-bearing debt, our financing. Um, and um, we have a financing in general, which is, uh, I would say, very beneficial. Uh, you might remember that we announced uh, during last year two uh, new financing uh, uh, facilities, one for European Investment Bank and one from the Nordic Investment Bank and with a very beneficial um, uh, margins, I would say very. Uh, and at the same time, we have a general uh, financing revolver facility, which is also uh, drawn at a time where the margins were very beneficial. So I would say we have um, uh, competitive uh, margins when it comes to the financing. I can't say more specific, I shouldn't do that. Oh, that, that's fair enough. Um, also on the loans, I was wondering, uh, are your loans mainly in Danish krona, or do you have any sort of emerging country currencies in there? We, we have um, uh, different, but we have, um, in the cases where we have currencies, um, we are hedging and making sure that we have um, a policy here, so the exposure is uh, more linked to U.S. dollars or to euros. So I shouldn't think of there should be any positive or negative effects coming from uh, the emerging market currencies here going forward on, on the loans as such? Well, we, um, because we are hedging and, and we, we can take out some benefits, for instance, when we saw that uh, Australian dollars is falling, then we see some positive effects on uh, our financing as we have some local financing in some countries. Right, uh, final question is, is from my side, it's on inventories. You say here you will write off 200 million. I, I think that is slightly less than 10% of total inventory in the company. Uh, what, what kind of inventories is that, uh, and do you think this is enough? Please. I can take it, yeah. At first, we think it's enough. Um, second, it's um, overaging inventory, what we, um, yeah, which is several years not moving. That's more or less the definition for it. One part of it, I said that before, is could be or is definitely younger inventory too when we identified what we did, that we have overlapping product ranges from M&As. You can imagine when you acquire a company and um, they have a product range which is a little bit overlapping with our actual product range, that you have to look into the inventory which part of um, bits and pieces you take out because you stopped, you pruned these products which are overlapping from the M&A. And that is right, exactly right. what we do. Okay, yeah, helps to understand. Can I just jump back on the customer division here on the, on the sort of a follow-up? You, 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 you helped me to understand its growth coming from all, all, all parts, but what is the rough split now for the customer division in terms of the customer service division in terms of split between cement and the others? What we can say is um, we get more O&M contracts in the cement division. So that, of course, brings cement very much in the forefront in, uh, in customer service division. So O&M contracts 
the majority of them are in cement. And that drives, of course, uh, a lot of customer service business. But it's not dramatic. It's, uh, yeah, it's on, let me say, more or less equal, but at the moment, uh, cement is a little bit in the, in the forefront. Okay. Okay. That's all. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Alexis Denot from Exane BNP Paribas is on the line with a question. Yes, good morning, everyone. Uh, three questions from my side on uh, so the working capital. Uh, looking at the working capital to on sales ratio is close to 8%. Uh, do you think it's a sustainable uh, level? Uh, if I look back at some of the slides, you had a 10% uh, so line uh, on, the, on the previous slides. Uh, do you expect it to go, uh, to go up further uh, given the increasing weight of, uh, of, customer, uh, of uh, the customer services? Second question would be on the tendering activity in the, the niche app in the U.S., uh, Tyson was uh, speaking about an active market there. Are you seeing the same trends? And the third question is on the service. Uh, so the revenue were up 11% organic. Is that only uh, so related to long-term uh, contract, uh, so getting on stream, uh, or did you see as well growth in the spare and after, I mean, just on the spare parts as well? I will take the first one, which is the networking capital. And it's correct that uh, the periodic uh, networking capital in percentage of sales at the end of Q2 was 8.4 percentage points. In average, 12 months rolling, which is uh, probably a more correct way of looking at it in our business, which is quite cyclical over the year, it is 7.3 percentage point by the end of Q2. Uh, we have definitely an ambition to reduce that over time, and we're working on a program which we believe will lead us in that direction. At the same time, it is some uncertainties regarding the amount of uh, larger orders which will come in, where we normally benefit from down payments. So uh, in, uh, let's say, the short term, uh, there are some uncertainties regarding the, the order intake situation of the larger orders uh, or the, and the impact on networking capital. But um, uh, in total, uh, it will not uh, lift whatever we have been doing in our sensitivity analysis for this. It will li not lift us above this level that we have talked about before, which is never above the 10% level at present. Um, we are aiming for, by the end of this year, to be at the level we were at the beginning of the year. Thank you. Um, to the NISHAP, um, as we all know, the, this regulation should hit in 2015 with an extension of one year up to 2016. Um, what we see is, and that is what we said in Q1, um, is there is not a big amount of bigger orders coming regarding Mishnishab, but a, an ongoing inflow of smaller orders to adjust and to improve the existing sites based on that upcoming Nishab regulation. So we would not, we are positive on it. It's definitely a very favorable program for us, but it doesn't create huge, large orders in a bigger amount. Okay. Then the third question was regarding um, how we see the growth. Um, of course, it's not only related with the O&M contracts. We see growth in spare and wear parts too, which is absolutely natural because um, the cement sites, as well as the, the mines, are operating quite a lot. Okay, thank you. Alex White from JP Morgan is online with a question. 
Yeah, hi. Just, uh, just a quick follow-up, please. I'm uh, just wondering if you can give any uh, guidance on uh, depreciation and uh, PPA following the, uh, the write-down. Yes. Um, as you probably have seen that in um, the second quarter of this year, we have um, a higher PPA amortization than we had uh, one, the quarter one year back. And that is due to the acquisitions we made, especially in 2012, uh, the second half of 2012. So they are higher. It is um, I, I, now I take them from my memory. I think it's around 50 million for the quarter in uh, one quarter back, one year. Now it's around 70 million, if I remember correctly. Um, and that is natural that we have an increase in, a, in the quarter. Um, forgive me if I'm somewhat uncertain exactly about these numbers, but they will increase somewhat um, due to that we have the, uh, some uh, more uh, intellectual property which is being um, uh, coming from the PPA from the last acquisitions. Was that the answer to your question? So, so that will increase from here, is that, is that what you're saying? I was, I, was, I was interested in sort of the development to the back half of the year and next year. No, so the level you see now in Q2, that is reflecting the recent uh, and the last acquisitions, and they will not increase any further from the level you see in isolated in Q2. Okay, so we should use that level going forward. You should. Um, may I though say that uh, we do an impairment of Ludovici, which might take down also some of what is being uh, amortized on the PPA part going forward, because we are yeah, I, writing down I, the I whole... I guess that was the background to the, to the question, was, was how much of an impact that was going to have. Right. And um, the, the major part of the write-down that we are seeing that we are expecting in Q3 for Ludovici, out of 800... Um, uh, more than 500, sure. 600 is Goodwill, which has nothing to do with the PPA. And uh, the remaining part can have an effect on uh, the PPA uh, annually, and it's around 10% um, annual uh, depreciation of that. So um, then it should be possible to calculate. That's, that's helpful. Thanks very much. Thank you. Samsa Karunin from TNB is on line with a question. Uh, yes, good afternoon. Just a very quick question. You're talking about the um, mining capex spending bottoming out in 2014. Um, I'm sorry if I missed it, but um, you base your view on that, um, on which data or which source, RMG, or can you just develop that a little bit? We have, um, uh, yeah, how to say, uh, opposite opinions about the capex development from uh, if I list all the, the, the comments and all the reports what I get, you can say you have roughly 50-50. It's definitely a switch more into uh, equipment than really into big, large orders. But we are already quite big in equipment sales. Um, one of the major drivers, of course, is the when we see the more midterm demand out of the, the, the mining and the minerals industry and how it develops combined with a cyclic behavior of the business as well as uh, the information levels, what we see with the utilization rates and capacity, what the mines are running with. Um, you can imagine if you run 24-7, then you have more wear, more usage of your existing infrastructure and that, of course, will, over the time, increase the OPEX. And any time it will reach a level, and normally relatively quick, that you have to do, on the, uh, to do something on the CapEx too. So we have quite, uh, yeah, we believe the bottom out in 2014 and the years after, not with a boom, but slightly coming up, slightly coming up.
And last but not least, we see more, of course, brownfield activities, significant more brownfield activities. Very good. If I, if I put it in a little bit different way, we see all these large miners, uh, some of them probably being their cli- uh, your clients as well, uh, commenting on declining uh, spending going into 14, 15, and so forth. Um, I was wondering, um, when you talk to your clients, um, would you be able to identify, and I don't need to have the names, I just want to know if you agree with me, that sometimes uh, those miners that are saying that their spending is going down um, are, in fact, indicating internally that due to the kind of increasing volume reasons, they might be ordering uh, more equipment or, or um, uh, these type of things from, uh, from you. Yeah, there are reports, of course, uh, spread into the industry, which shows, um, I can't remember who said that report now, but which clearly shows that uh, equipment purchase behavior in 2015 will peak. That's one of the reports which supports that. Um, peak, and I have to relative that, if we say 2014 we hit the bottom, what does it mean? It means that we, based on a normal mining cycle, have then flattish years. It's not that then in 2015 we can enjoy a 10 or 20% increase. Absolutely not. But it's the low point after in that downwards part of the cycle. And normally it stays for a year roughly on a similar level. And then it goes up more and more. And for us, flattish means it can be 1%, 2% down, but as well as 1%, 2% up. So basically what we would be seeing is that uh, I assume that you're referring to the spending. Uh, so we would be seeing basically in 14, uh, you're probably going to get the orders for 15 deliveries. So we would be still seeing kind of like um, uh, 14 orders be relatively flat compared to 13, and then maybe in 15, the orders would be going up maybe a couple of percent. What we, what I can say is that um, when we look, and I have to repeat that because it's, of course, a little bit uh, tricky to go too much into details with the outlook, but what we see is that uh, the, the percentage of CapEx going down will the bottom will be hit in 2014. That is what we see. Uh, and that's the spending part. Uh, that's that's the not spending the orders, part. that's the spending, yeah. Th- that's not our business. We are, of course, based on being more late cyclic. When we get orders in 2014, it will then uh, yeah, normally come into the books uh, in the mid or so of 2015. Very good, thank you. We have no further questions at this time. Okay. Then I would say thank you very much on the web and thank you very much here in the room for the participation. Have a safe and good day.